Good afternoon and welcome to Lifestyle Marketing and Leadership Series with Kevin and Craig, where we add value to people's lives, happening every Thursday on ebizradio.com. You can catch the Lunchtime Series on all major podcast channels. And joining me as per usual, marketing communication expert and co-host Craig Pagely. How are you doing, Craig? Kevin, I'm good. Yeah, great to be chatting after the wonderful extended weekend we had. And I must admit, I could quite get used to these uh, four-day weeks, to tell the truth. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> on a serious note, the, the Human Rights Day uh, is, is an incredibly important day to remember in our history. And, and the essence of the topic leading to the massacre was actually touched on, not just in last week's convo, but in, in the previous session that focused on our diversity, equity, inclusion topic. And, and really, three concepts that, that really very much formed the foundation of human rights across the world. So important day for us to to recognize in our history, Kevin. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and I, I tend to skew away from uh, reading any news, um, but you, you also find that um, some of the news channels are really gunning at uh, the dire situation that South Africa sometimes finds itself in. Uh, and yet, you know, Human Rights Day is supposed to be a celebration of what humans' rights are. Um, and yet, we, you know, after so many years, we're still struggling to get it right. And um, but and, and and it's not to to skew that, but yet just to 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 point out that the relevance and the necessity of why it still needs to be recognised and and spoken more of. Absolutely, Kevin. Craig, so on the topic of diversity and equity and inclusion, what can you share with our listeners as a summary reminder from our conversation last week? Yeah, Kevin, thanks. So, yes, we, we definitely touched on DEI last week, but it was specifically in respect of the role of middle management and the importance that this role plays in organizations. So if we summed up last week's conversation in one statement, Kevin, it would probably be that Middle managers are able to drive the bulk of diversity, equity, and in, in, in inclusion work because they're actually responsible for the daily operations of the enterprise, and they are tasked with carrying out the policies that actually affect the lives of employees directly. So yeah. the statements along with the key reminder points from last week are referenced um, in the reports that, that, that I quoted from improving workplace culture through evidence-based diversity equity and inclusion practices. And the article was co-authored by Stephanie J. Creary, PhD Nancy Rothbard, and PhD Jared Scruggs. And it was published to wartonupen.edu in May 2021. And the report notes that middle managers were really the common denominator in DER outcomes and, and highlighting the fact that employees who didn't have support from their middle managers reported feeling a decreased sense of belonging, respect and commitment. So obviously quite, quite the opposite of the intention of DEI. The report yeah. also noted that discretion over policy along with those close interactions with employees gave middle managers much greater power in dictating and actually formulating workplace culture. But an important point to note here, Kevin, is that the middle managers generally needed buy-in from their senior managers because it's actually the senior managers that were initiating these respective DEI policies at that executive level. Um, what was interesting is the, the study measured the seven DEI categories, for example, recruiting, mentoring, training, um, and, and 12 associated outcomes, for example, helping behavior, inclusive climate, job satisfaction, etc. And those science-based recommendations were then suggested for managers to improve 
each of those outcomes. So, and what we did is we, we touched on just six of the recommendations, which we noted as follows. An example would be to advocate for space where employees can actually discuss non-work topics. And, you know, going into what, what does that look like in a hybrid environment and how do you deal with it in the real world versus the digital world. Familiarization and, and familiarize yourself with programs and policies, even if you don't personally use them. Be knowledgeable on all the policies impacting on, on, on the delivery in the workplace. Yeah. Create a buddy system of mentorship that ensures both mentors and sponsors have access to resources. Use inclusive language, a really important point we've touched on a number of times. Be transparent about your hiring process and reinforce zero tolerance policy for disrespectful behavior. And actually, yeah. on that point, we, we, we looked at um, what the impact on the metaverses as well and how we're seeing disrespectful behavior and some negative connotations already being picked up in the metaverse in one of our conversations. But as I mentioned last week, Kevin, the closing statement to the point is, is to quote the PhD, Nancy Rothbard, uh, one of the three authors, who, who goes on to state the following. You have to believe in the value of diversity, and that has to come through your employers. That's what the middle management piece is doing, showing you that you're not paying lip service to it, and that it's authentic, that it's seen as creating an environment that's going to be better for all. Yeah, and there's the key takeaway points from last week. <laughs> Craig, I, was, I, I saw it, you know, listening to that, that, that quote, you know, from, from, from Nancy uh, Rothbard, that you have to believe in the value of diversity. And I think, you know, you know, it, it just, it so, sort of solidifies that conversation so well, because uh, until you believe that, you know, um, things are better, and there's more value in the diversity. It's just a, you know, it becomes a tick box exercise for so many yeah, yeah. companies. And, I, and look I like, surface. Yeah. yeah, completely. And yeah, I, I, I like the fact that we can, we can, um, because, you know, a lot of people skew away from having uh, conversations like this. You know, they, uh, I, I was spoke, speaking to an HR professional today who, um, by the way, listens to our show relentlessly. Um, <laughs> and she was saying, you know, um, a lot of the time from an HR uh, HR executive's position, um, they know that it's, you know, that inclusivity is imp important, but what the crux of it is and what it does and how to implement it, some of them are not even aware of it. And they've been doing, you know, they've been in an HR capacity for most of their lives. So, uh, it's conversations sure. like this. I think that's, that that adds real value and 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 bringing out and understanding it. That that's really impactful and and why we do what we do here. But thanks, Craig. I mean, moving on to today's show and adding more value. <laughs> where, are we going, where are we going today with uh, today's conversation? Yeah, Kevin, we're going to look at a topic as I mentioned last week that we actually haven't touched on in 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 detail in any of our shows to date, and and that is the topic of loyalty and rewards programs. And then also just taking a look at some of the trends that are actually driving this industry worldwide, Kevin. So, yeah, let me, as usual, start by giving some context to the term loyalty and rewards. So, again, starting with Wikipedia, we learn that a loyalty program is a marketing strategy designed to encourage customers to continue to shop at or use the services of a business associated with that respective program. Referencing another, another uh, favorite of mine, Investopedia.com, we note the following. Loyalty programs sponsored by retailers and other businesses offer rewards, 
discounts and other special incentives as a way to attract and retain customers. They are designed to encourage repeat business, offering people a reward for store or brand loyalty. Typically, the more often a customer patronizes the merchant and the more they spend, the greater the rewards. The Investopedia article also, at least definition, also notes this, Kevin. Loyalty programs benefit companies not only by developing customer loyalty, but also by providing crucial information on how customers are spending and what products or types of offers are most appealing. So obviously the builder, the big data. And, and the greater the understanding of the big data, the better the understanding of the customer in this regard. And the end point is, you know, the more effective communication opportunity to engage with the customer. But in closing on the definitions, Kevin, it's worth noting that the entire customer loyalty management market worldwide is valued at more than four billion US dollars. And it's expected to surpass 18 billion US dollars by the end of 2028. That's insane, Greg. So, I mean, I'm aware of the term customer loyalty, right? And and do have a few re uh, rewards program cards myself. But really, how, how many types of customer loyalty programs exist these days? Yeah, it's a it's a loaded question because I was, you know, the first time I investigated that, I looked at how many programs operate as opposed to what the types of programs are. And and I came across a, an interesting article published on esatisfaction.com that that looked at the types titled eight types of customer loyalty um and yeah you know, unfortunately there was no publisher date nor any reference to the author content but but a really good read and it opens with the following statement kevin that customer loyalty programs take a lot of different forms and some businesses decide only to use one model while others may actually combine one or two in in, in a hybrid way so the definition of a customer loyalty program is noted as a customer loyalty program is structured, is a structured strategy, take note of this, is a structured strategy that combines useful communication, software, hardware, gamification in some instances, commercial incentives, marketing tactics, event planning, etc., all in order to help brands build a stronger relationship between their customers. And quite nice to see that it's really playing into, into, into a bit of that omni-channel space. And the goal of the customer loyalty program is to increase retention and eventually advocacy. An obvious statement, but, but really a core, core to the intention there. Craig, uh, just on that, on that point, uh, you know, from someone who, you know, I mean, I know about loyalty programs, but now when you say it's a structured strategy, that combines everything from communication to marketing to gamification to there's so many you know elements to it it's 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 not just a loyalty program there's a whole bunch that goes behind it which is really yeah. nice to know it's, it's nice that it's all encompassing absolutely hence my emphasis on the structured strategy component yeah. you know, and just let me re, re, re word that again you know the structured strategy that combines use of communications software hardware gamification in some instances, commercial incentives, marketing tactics, event planning, and others in order to help brands build that stronger relationship between uh, uh, their customers. Amazing, yeah. So so going into the different uh, types there, Kevin, you know, there, there are eight types that were discussed in, in the article. So let, let me pick up on point one. And that is points programs. So points programs are the most common programs around in the commerce, e-commerce world where, where they're actually the simplest. Um, they're based on one simple principle. 
spend more to get more. Um, every time a customer makes a purchase in store on the brand's website, they get a certain amount of points depending on the size of that purchase. And then these points are translated into some kind of a reward. The second type is is the spend-based loyalty programs, where in spend programs, customers get loyalty credits for the amount they spend at a particular business. And then this program is very easy to understand, create, and maintain. And it's also proven to be the most effective way to increase transactions amounts and reduce churn rate, because you keep the individuals locked in to, to need to burn those points that, that they've generated. The third is yeah. tiered programs. And this is one that, that you know, we're probably very familiar with, where one way to find the right balance between attainable and desirable rewards is to actually implement a tiered loyalty reward system where the rewards initiate loyalty and encourage more purchases. So the tiered program is based on your levels of loyalty. Customers get points whenever they purchase something, and the more points you receive, the higher the loyalty level your reach and, and obviously the higher the level, the more rewards you get. So it's just as this, 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 the self-perpetuating, uh, um, raising through loyalty and uh, achieving more rewards. Craig, I must just say the tiered program approach that some medical aids that do have this one is that it's incredibly difficult to achieve all those tiers. <laughs> I'm not going to mention names, but I'm like, there, they, they, they make it incredibly hard. Yeah. But, but there is, there is a science on, on how to achieve your maximum level. And, and there's, yeah. there's interesting, there's one or two, two YouTube videos on, on how to get to your maximum platinum or gold level on, on those programs. Um, but but the interesting that. thing on that point, though, is, is the higher you go and the bigger the reward is, someone somewhere else in the program is actually paying for that reward to become a value to you. So there's an interesting layer of underlying uh, um, who who really is, is, is paying for the net result of somebody achieving an award. Yeah. The fourth, the fourth uh, point here is, is paid programs or VIP member clubs, and customers pay a monthly or annual subscription fee to join your membership club, and they'll then have access to specialist services, discounts, unique opportunities. And your paid program should include benefits that are exclusive to members or either, why is it to lose its value? So if somebody's paying into a program, don't make those particular propositions and rewards and values available to, to non-subscriber um, participants. The fifth, the fifth type is value-based program. So if you structure a loyalty program that's aligned to your customers' values, not in terms of brand value, but personal life, emotional values, they are more likely to become brand ambassadors. The big question, though, Kevin, here is, is how do you actually reward customers without rewarding them? Okay. Mm. So first, it's important to find, define what your values are as a brand or a product. And, and on the back of that, you may start a loyalty program similar to a point system where the customer's purchase translates into a currency. Then every time the customer makes a, a purchase, certain, a certain value purchase, you donate a percentage to a recognized organization or charity. And, and those charities, organizations need to align with the values of the individual. So you'll find an organization who you align with and you spend into that space because you know your spend is going to contribute downstream to a much bigger, bigger value organization. The reward when choosing the value-based programs is to connect with customers on a deeper level and create a strong and ethical relationship with them, which is really great. The sixth point is, is the partner program, which is strategic partnerships for customer loyalty can be super effective 
regarding customer retention as you offer them more opportunities. But at the same time, it can also help the growth of your business by building new business relationships or partnerships. While providing your customers with value that is relevant to them and goes beyond what your company can exclusively offer them, you're showing them that you truly understand and actually care about their needs, and that's an important factor. The seventh type is the game program, where good idea is to turn your program into a gamification app and to encourage repeat purchases, increase customer loyalty, entertain customers at the same time, and help strengthen your brand's image in a much more entertaining and engaging way. And then the last one is is one that we, that we know a lot about. That's the hybrid loyalty program, Kevin, where it's a combination of more than one type of loyalty system. You can actually merge two different systems entirely, such as the tier and game program, where customers reach new levels of loyalty every time they've completed a different level of, of a game. Um, and the participation in the game really should, of course, entail a purchase at the end of the day. The most common combination of, of, of the points-based system with a tier program is it makes a calculation of points for the ease of customers and it encourages them to purchase uh, the next loyalty level and thus drives much more purchase on the back of that. So while some of them may seem quite similar to the others, there is distinctly a clear difference between the various programs. Thank you. Great, but I, um, I mean, just listening to the differences of of what the programs are, and considering the the loyalty programs that I'm aware of, um, there's there's big there's big business in in data here, right? There's there's, there's yes. big value in the amount of data that that they carry because not only do they have you as a client, um, you know, let's say it's a bank, not only do they have you at, um, at that bank, they also start. Uh, having evidence and, and data about what it is you're purchasing um, and how frequently you would do that. And um, and that in itself can be leveraged to kind of use, well, you know, we could incentivize you if you buy more of that. And um, so so data plays a, a very big part in, in how people would use the loyalty program and, and, and get the best out of it. I'm absolutely, Kevin, absolutely. You know, and, and again, that plays straight into that strategy components, you know, and yeah. the advantage of, of loyalty programs is really the ability to get first party data. You know, this is yeah. not third party fed, you know, trawled through by, by cookies and all the rest of it. This is one on one engagement, behavior, participation, understanding, acknowledge, slice and dice, building a really deep understanding of that particular consumer through their engagement. The power of the first body data here is, is beyond belief. The, the ability to leverage that data and, and, and as a program holder to go and source value from other brands and other layers of, of value in, in, in a consumer's life is the critical enabler. And that's where the strategy really needs to be deep for these programs. Craig, you know, you, you know what I find interesting is, um, sorry, I just want to make sure that we are all good. Yeah, I, what I find interesting about this is, um, as much as it's called loyalty program, part of this is uh, we may as well call it, you know, let's check human behavior and see what people do and how how do we use that to our advantage. <laughs> and you know, from a from an NLP perspective, we we make generalizations. So knowing that you know certain types of behavior, yeah, people generally would do. Uh, we kind of generalize that and we and we make a, sort of a summary out of what 
but it, you know it plays right into human behavior um, and that's what's interesting to me from this perspective because you're kind of going um loyalty programs as much as it's, it's it is there and you are getting benefits from it what it's also doing is it's, it's really showcasing and showing you know showcasing behavior from a perspective so that's a wonderful statement. And and if you if you think of Discovery Bank, so you reference the good old medical aid, uh, their financial services division, um, Discovery Bank is positioned as the first behavior bank. Where where, you know, and I've mentioned this once before, I think it's 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 a very clever positioning, but it's 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 quite cheeky because all banks are actually behavior banks. All all banks understand <laughs> yes. your behavior to segment your your product offering and to segment the rates that they charge you, et cetera, et cetera. But they've actually, you know, just formalized the quote as a great positioning strategy. So yes, it's, it's, it's fundamentally about understanding behavior and pairing opportunity to meet your needs and expectations based on their understanding of that behavior. And not to completely take us off track here, but that also gives the, the, the man on the, on the street an opportunity to, to investigate, what is the loyalty? What is the loyalty uh, options that you're getting, uh, and what is what, what is that actual program uh, really providing? And is there really any value in it? Because if you if you go with this bank, what do you get there? If you go with this bank, and you know having more of a uh, the ability to investigate it based on the fact that um, they're going to be checking your behavior in any case, and does it really, really, truly serve the need that that you want as as an individual? Um, but yes, yeah. I'm just going you know, back to how, how do you think of from a human perspective and behavior perspective. Um, Craig, so now we know about the different types of uh, customer loyalty programs. What's the difference between loyalty program membership and loyalty program usage? Yeah, Kevin, again, uh, uh, another good question because the, the, the morphing of these understandings from one to the other just really can be quite confusing for some. So statistic.com again another great source of insights um, um, and reporting covers this question quite succinctly kevin in, in their report titled loyalty programs statistics and facts it was published by a gutman on march 14th this year so a really fresh fresh set of insights the article describes loyalty program usage and perceptions as follows loyalty program membership and usage are two different phenomena on average, consumers in the United States belong to 14, 14 such programs, but actively only use half of them. Sure. The fact that it takes too long to earn a reward or is too difficult to earn one is the most probable reason behind such low active usage, with the majority of consumers admitting that this is something they dislike about loyalty programs. So invaluable or irrelevant rewards are often cited as, as common dislikes. On the other hand, however, discounts, free shipping and products, as well as exclusive promotions are seen as valuable features in royalty programs. But as expected in, in, in the times of crisis, um, customer loyalty counted for much more. And the outbreak of the coronavirus in 2020, Kevin, has proven really difficult for brands as one third of consumers decided to try new brands during this particular crisis stage. And a large majority of these consumers have actually remained loyal and committed to continue with those brands after the pandemic. So 
may well have had a strong loyalty, perceived loyalty following pre-pandemic, coming into the pandemic, those brands that were able to offer them to meet their needs during the pandemic, one third of those customers are actually staying loyal to the brands they've opted into from, from brands they've opted out of. So again, another important point to note here is, is that consumers value custom experience as a leading driver of engagements in loyalty programs. So ease of use, ease of enjoyment, brand alignment, data usage and trust point that you made early on about the, the, the value of data, good communications, digital capabilities uh, are, are definitely cited as, as one of the most common ingredients of positive experience with rewards programs as well. Has the program enhances technology capability? What is the, the UX experience like, etc.? But all in all, both businesses and consumers benefit from loyalty programs if done right, Kevin, with consumers appreciating instant wins, big prizes, attractive discounts, which in turn drive up sales and encourage usage, while the businesses reap the rewards of having much larger and more faithful customer base, as well as stronger brand connections and increased engagement. But the, the one of the key drivers in the difference between the two here, Kevin, is, is the point of brand trust. Um, a really, really great topic for, for an entire conversation. And Statista article notes the following. The promise of special perks, rewards, points, discounts, free offers is a popular method of attracting new customers and fostering their loyalty. The basis of that loyalty, however, is brand trust. As common experience dictates, trust in general can be difficult to earn, hard to keep, and close to impossible to win back. Trust is that much harder for brands to win and sustain as they face unending competition and social pressure. In fact, the results of the survey amongst the consumers from across the globe found an average that they trusted less than half of the evaluated brands. That's quite scary. Respondents yeah. to the same study also admitted that only two thirds of the brands mentioned could actually cease to exist as they would benefit entirely unaffected by this. So two thirds would just disappear out of their repertoire. Among the main reasons why consumers would lose trust in brands are faulty products, poor customer service and inadequate purchase experiences, a few examples. And to that point, we actually spoke about the importance of the, the entire owning the, the trust engagement through the entire purchase experience value chain in, I think, conversations two shows ago. Craig, and I think we should have a we should have a, a whole program, a whole show on trust. Uh, you know, that, that point that you make here, um, it, it's you know dif difficult to earn, hard to keep, and, and impossible to win back. Um, you know, and I and you not only find that with your your customer and your client base, but you find that from an internal uh, perspective in companies as well. You know, when Correct. when trust is broken. It is so incredibly difficult for businesses to come back from that. Um, and to the second point is that's why disruption is so important. You know, we've spoken about, uh, you know, how AI could potentially disrupt, uh, you know, how businesses do what they do, you know, in the future. Um, it's it's because of that, because this is disruptor, you know, how much trust are you actually keeping with your brand and, and really um, getting your, your, your audience to buy into the whole time because then it raises the bar, right? It raises the bar the whole time for you to, to do better than you did yesterday. 
um, because if something can, you know, if, if some other brand or someone else is disrupting the trust level that I have with you, kind of means that, you know, it's an evolution of where we're moving to. And you either need to keep up with the trend or you, you're going to fall behind. So, you know, disruption is such an important part of why trust is is needed for, for, for loyalty of your brand um, and why you would be, a, you know, why you would stay with a brand as, as, as part of their loyalty program. And, and Kevin, to take that a step further and, and going back to last week's conversation on, on, on diversity, equity, inclusion, now, now take trust into the organization and, and the brand in this instance being the organization. Yeah. And when the trust isn't there, you know, has the business earned the trust of the individuals? How hard is it to keep if it hasn't earned it? And, and those individuals may actually opt out to wanting to work with that organization. Um, yeah, and, and it's really hard to win, win that kind of individual back. So, yeah, a fundamentally important concept that we'll definitely pick up as a, as a, a single conversation on the shows. And strangely enough, you know, we talk about loyalty programs. We're bringing in trust to this, and uh, they're kind of synonymous with each other because, you know, from, from, a, from, from you know, your audience, what kind of trust does your audience have to this brand? But what does your employees feel about this brand? Because if they are not trusting in this brand either, um, you're, either way, you're going to be failing at it, right? So, so loyalty and trust, <laughs> it, they're like hand in hand that this brand has to get right. Uh, and if they don't, um, it'll start speaking for itself. And that's where, you know, where attrition of, of employees and, and uh, high uh, you know, resignation rates are skyrocketing. And it's based in, they have no loyalty because they don't trust that brand. You know, it's, it's and, interesting how it, hand, it goes hand in hand. Absolutely. The the entire concept of brand advocacy, it's not just about the brand you purchase, but it's within the brand that you work for as well. Absolutely, Kevin. Yeah. yeah. Craig, so uh, are there any key trends dry, uh, driving take up and adoption of loyalty programs now that the pandemic seems to have somewhat waned? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Some, somewhat Wayne, but definitely seems to be on, on the resurgence in, in North America and parts of Europe. But yeah, nevertheless, yeah. yes. And, and I came across a really great report um, titled Global, Global Customer Loyalty Report 2022. Um, with the subtitle, It's Time to Take Action. And it addresses this, this very question in, in finite detail, Kevin. So the report is published by Antavo, which is a, a company that delivers, to quote their website, a pure play loyalty program technology for omni-channel and e-commerce combined with next-gen in-store functionality. Um, and and for, for those interested in the topic of, of loyalty and loyalty programs, it's definitely a report worth, worth reviewing and you can download it. Okay. Yeah. So the section titled Most Influential Loyalty Programs for the Coming Years reveals the following. Omni-channel experience, personalization, and data use identified as top future trends. The concept of loyalty programs is constantly evolving, as we know, and based on the, the, the eight types, you're going to see evolution within that. What started out as a simple stamp collection scheme in shops and supermarkets has turned into a multifaceted reward system with tiers, gamifications, and multi-level experiential awards. What constitutes a successful loyalty strategy, though, depends on the industry, the specifics of the industry. So, for example, Organizations with a high purchase frequency need to use a very different loyalty logic and program structure 
compared to organizations that specialize in luxury, big value products. And as such, the diversification of the programs will continue as they adapt it based on the needs of, of those respective industries. So trend one here, Kevin, talks about redefining omnichannel experiences by going outside of the buying cycle. The ability to offer better and more seamless omnichannel, a topic that we've covered extensively, the ability to offer better and more seamless omnichannel loyalty experiences was the number one trend respondents believe will gain traction in the coming years. And this highlights the growing awareness of the importance of omnichannel engagement, and it seems to be coming into every single one of our conversations. But here's some stats. I know you like the stats. 77.3% yeah. <laughs> of the program owners plan to reward non-transactional behavior in the next three years. And when program owners were asked what kinds of interaction they sought to reward, two answers stood out most, Kevin. The first being easily approachable actions like referring a friend, publishing photos, commenting on social media, and engagements that offered much more of a positive word of mouth. The second being engagement with company values, such as recycling, used clothes, donating to charity, or using sports trackers to award bonus points for achieving different fitness levels and milestones, and much more sophisticated use case studies like aligning members of the company whose values are aligned with theirs and building a positive brand uh, and association on the back of that. The most popular non-transactional uh, engagements are the ones that are likely to be seen more of in the future are writing product reviews, participating in social media and, and referring friends. So almost in driving into that kind of influencer space, Kevin. Trend yeah. two is breaking away from the one size fits all benefits with personalized reward and experiences. And in fact, 29.3% of the respondents reported that personalization was their most important investments in the coming year. And yeah, again, some, some lovely stats here. 40.5% of program owners currently offer personalized rewards and offers such as rewards based on customer behavior and rewarding and coupon configurations. 48.3% of program owners plan to offer personalized rewards and offers such rewards based on customer behavior and uh, reward configuration over the next three years. And I found that quite alarming because that's lower than the 50% spectrum. And understanding how long programs have been in existence, I would have expected it to be much higher than the 50% uh, um, reference. I'm quite, quite taken back by that. But personalized rewards are on the rise with 88.8% .8 program owners reporting that they either currently offer or plan to offer personalized rewards in the next three years. And Kevin, the last trend is, is utilizing programs to collect zero and first party data, an exciting topic here. So loyalty programs are corporate projects and as such, they need to fit into the company's overall marketing, finance and data strategy. And the key point here is that the importance of data driven marketing can never be understated as it impacts on all stages of the customer lifecycle. Again, as we discussed from your uh, customer acquisition right the way through to customer retention. And without accurate data, it's nearly impossible to identify who those most valuable customers are or to track what, what the success of your marketing campaigns are. So in the absence of this uh, third and second party data sets now, the value of zero and first party data has, has substantially increased. And companies are now looking to new ways to learn more about customers and and it goes without saying that loyalty programs really are seen as what 
one such solution, Kevin. So I, to that point, Craig, so, you know, that's exactly what, what Apple did. Apple came out with the, one of the, the latest uh, um, updates that said that you could now block anyone from collecting any data. Um, and you could have that that switch on your phone. So immediately, just by having that sort of update on your phone, um, Apple went to to a whole bunch of trust that they they won over uh, by simply implementing one little connection to not your your apps not being allowed to follow where you are and what you're doing and what you're purchasing, which is so clever. I mean, I just, and there you can see it. That's why it's a trend. It's you know, how do you and, how do you connect with your followers without you know, connecting to them. And and the beauty about Apple is, you know, the handset is 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 the immediate magnet and, and interface that you have with the with the uh, a consumer. The challenge now is for other brands that you would have had engagement with through your device on the back of cookies and third party data uh, uh, retargeting and the likes is those are the brands that really need to now be working with loyalty programs to create value so that when you opt into a program, you have relevance on the back end of the value that they're serving you. The brands have got to work much harder now to get into a space where they become appealing to consumers in different guises and through different uh, channels like loyalty programs. Absolutely. So as we near the end of the show, what are, what are the key takeaways that we, we can share with the listeners today? Yeah, Kieran, thanks. So in closing, I'd like to reference an article published on the perspective section of Deloitte.com, I should say. Um, and, and the key takeaway points here are from the article titled COVID-19 broke the orthodoxies of customer loyalty and retention, reimagining your customer loyalty post-pandemic. We note that core beliefs can help guide brands to make strategic changes, as well as guide brands to reimagine their loyalty strategy in a post-pandemic world. And brands that take advantage of this inflection point to make thoughtful and strategic changes in line with the beliefs will definitely set them up for success moving forward. And yeah, some interesting beliefs that, that Deloitte actually have around the loyalty space, Kevin. Um, some, some of the points that they note here is that loyalty should drive a specific customer behavior that corresponds to a value specific to the business's value. Deliver a portfolio of compelling beliefs and interactions. Engage the customer throughout the active journey while extending and building new connections across the customer lifecycle. Effectively engage employees and other partners, point we just touched on a short while ago, and be delivered in a design-led, ongoing and evolving model. So what's key here is, is the three questions that were raised for transforming customer loyalty strategy, and they stated the following. Effectively re-manage a loyalty program requires in-depth objective analysis and thoughtful strategic planning. And this includes identifying which pandemic-driven orthodoxies are here to stay and how they will affect the company's loyalty program. And as we know, there's many of the learnings coming out of the pandemic that are gonna stay and be part of us for forever more. Brands will also have to re-examine which customers are the most important to them, how those customers interact with their company and what features resonate with those customers in order to drive that affinity to, to their brand. And finally, answering the following questions can most definitely help 
then form the foundation for that effective transformation of that, that particular brand's loyalty program. So five key questions that these brands should be asking, Kevin. Drive a specific customer behavior that corresponds to a value specific to the business. And the question here is, how is our most valuable or targeted customer segment changed in a post-pandemic world? And what new behaviors should we be driving from that segment? Point two, deliver a portfolio of compelling benefits and interactions. The question the brand should ask you is, do your current offering benefits and experiences still resonate with our target customer segments or have their wants needs fundamentally changed post pandemic? The third point is to engage the customer throughout the active journey while extending and building new connections across the customer life cycle. The question for the program to ask is, what new physical and digital channels can we now leverage to increase the connection points, rebuild a sense of community and meet our customers where they are? The fourth yeah. point is effectively engage employees and other partners. The question that the program should ask is, how can we reimagine employee and or ecosystem partner engagement and cultivate new partnerships to augment our business objectives? And the last point is, be delivered in a design-led, ongoing, evolving model. The question for the program to ask is, how can we leverage an iterative test and lean approach, to, sorry, test and learn approach, and evolve our loyalty program to provide value to our customers without overreacting to trends that may not actually persist? Yeah, and those, those are the key takeaway points for today. Fantastic, Greg. Um, really, really interesting, and and uh, I love uh, how uh, I, you know, I know a hell of a lot more now about the loyalty programs than I had before. And I, while you were just looking now, I was just looking for a quote to share, uh, but specifically from Steve Jobs said, "Get closer than ever to your customers. So close, th so close that you tell them." what they need well before they realize it themselves. And that's what that's uh, the, what he spoke about when he said loyalty, you know, the importance of loyalty is. And, and, but, um, and that's, yeah. that's really, so just to add in there, the power of zero and first party data coming out of these programs and being able to preempt the next action. That's just such a powerful place to be. Uh, you, you can catch the Lions Time Series every Thursday at uh, uh, on Eber's radio at 12 o'clock, guys. And uh, Craig, thank you for joining us. Fantastic, Kevin. Yeah, look forward to next week. Cool. Chat to you soon. Cheers for now. Bye.